The character of God, the most debated subject in all of Christianity within America. Is God capricious and arbitrary in judgment? Does God endorse slavery, rape, and baby murder? These are the topics that's rocking the Christian world. We're talking about that today, right here on the Dunamis Word. Call somebody and tell them that Pastor Burnett and the Dunamis Word is on the air and your blessing is coming to you today. Suddenly you realize all that you live for is gone. Desperately searching for just one reason to care. edition of the dunamis word broadcast and as always i'm excited i'm happy i'm just glad thrilled that you've taken the time to join us today listen the dunamis word can be found at www.bethelburnett.blogspot.com bethel burnett is all one word b-e-t-h-e-l-b-u-r-n-e-t-t dot blogspot b-l-o-g-s-p-o-t dot com at the Dunamis Word, we have over comprised over some 600 uh, or so articles dealing with the Christian faith, uh, the culture, novel speculations against the faith, moral issues, substantive issues, things that are going on right now in your neighborhood today. And we're talking about those things because we believe that the Bible and God's Word is certainly relevant to our current 
circumstances. So go on out there and peruse those articles and see, uh, place your commentary out there and see how those things interface with what's going on in your life and in your community. And we believe that you'll be blessed. You can reach me uh, any number of ways, either through that blog by leaving commentary or uh, through our email at dunamis1, D-U-N-A-M-I-S, number one, at netzero.com. Or you can call us toll-free at 800-728-0352. I say toll-free, but I don't think anybody pays for long-distance calls anymore. Uh, I I don't know about that. But anyway, nevertheless, uh, we're glad that you are here today. Listen, uh, the song that you heard at the top of the show, um, that was uh, sung by a gentleman named Mitchell Jones, who belongs to a group that I have just loved and admired ever since I've been saved, some uh, plus almost 30 years ago uh, and I'm aging us all I suppose but nevertheless uh, they will be in concert uh, that is the group commissioned will be in concert this weekend that's August 16th at uh, the Duke Energy Convention Center at 525 Elm Street in Cincinnati Ohio now that is not a paid advertisement uh, just some friends of mine or I have a, a close associate that uh, a friend that is uh, in that group love them to death and uh, they are uh, young men all of them um, men now of course grown men who uh, certainly represent what they have sung all and sang all of these years so we just love them to death going out if you're in the area uh, and uh, hear that particular group and their reunion I'm sure that's going to make noise uh, the rest of the year everywhere listen this particular broadcast we're dealing with the character of God. Now, I want to just go over this a little bit uh, because we had a gentleman uh, show up on our blog uh, not too long ago and uh, come to find out he pretended to be a guy named R. Kelly. And many of you already know about uh, R. Kelly, but this particular gentleman showed up with the tag of Kells and he, which, you know, that's what people call R. Kelly. And um, he proclaimed when I asked him who he was, he sent me to a profile page. Uh, declaring that he was R. Kelly, you know, with all these pictures and all that. Uh, nevertheless, uh, it, it could have been him. Uh, but right now, R. Kelly's in federal, uh, well, he's in at least state uh, or county jail. I'm not sure whether it's a state facility or a county facility that, that he's in in Chicago. But nevertheless, he's in jail. And so he's not on the blog uh, doing anything. And so this could be one of his uh, cronies um, trying to uh, detract uh, attention uh, in some way, shape, or form, or it just could have been a liar uh, or a person impersonating him from the beginning. I don't know. But nevertheless, this uh, particular uh, gentleman, he produces some of the most, uh, um, uh, what I want to say, culturally uh, relevant uh, atheist or anti-God dogma that, uh, uh, you know, that is out there. As you know, a lot of these popular arguments against God, they're nothing new. They've been circulating for years. In fact, many of the arguments against God were dealt with uh, shortly after the Renaissance period when many of them just showed up uh, against the Christian church, against Christianity in general. And uh, so he regurgitates many of those uh, uh, those arguments and sentiments. And and of course, uh, devils being the devils that they are, they always become more vile, more complex and uh, a lot um, less given to any type of understanding. But it really kind of sparked me to think uh, on what uh, we are really facing today within our society. And I wanted to really kind of address that 
maybe in a couple of different segments, um, um, not only today, but maybe in another broadcast as well, uh, wanted to address many of the speculations and many of the things that came up in his particular questioning. Uh, this particular gentleman, he delivered the sentiment, basically, that the Bible or the Bible God encouraged uh, genocide, slavery, baby murder, etc., and is therefore capricious, unloving, and kind. And many of us, that's uh, all that we know to talk about God is that he is loving. Uh, and uh, this particular uh, fellow, he certainly falls into that vein uh, because if you don't have a definition of God, you don't know who God is. Believe me, other people would define him for you. But, uh, you know, his definition is he's all good, loving, and kind. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been others and where he gets his information from is individuals like, uh, uh, Dr. H Hector Avalos, uh, which is a professor, uh, the last I knew at Iowa university who has said uh, this, uh, quote unquote, I have argued elsewhere in fighting words, the origin of religious violence in 2005, that we need to treat ethics in biblical texts just as we treat ethics in any other works of ancient literature said it is a vacuous experience to pick and choose which atrocities were really ordained by any gods and which were not. We should have a zero tolerance view of any text or collection of texts that at any time endorses genocide, misogyny, and other atrocities. We always judge ancient texts by modern ethical standards and the Bible should not be treated any differently. In other words, Dr. Uh, uh, Avalos, uh, again, one who I have debated on the Dunamis Word blog, um, certainly contends that the Bible uh, endorses genocide, not just has instances of genocide, but the Bible God endorses genocide, misogyny, and other atrocities, and therefore um, should be the Bible itself, and that God should be rejected. Now, uh, as I said, he's not the only one. Uh, many of you are familiar with scientist Richard Dawkins, uh, who also believes that, um, let's say, quote unquote, the most unpleasant that God is, quote unquote, the most unpleasant character in all fiction. He is jealous and proud of it. Uh, uh, he is petty, unjust, unforgiving. He is a control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal. He is genocidal. He is felicidal. He is pest, pestilential. He is megalomaniacal. He is sadomastic. He's a sadomastic, uh, sadomasticist. Uh, he's capriciously malevolent bully. That's what uh, Richard Dawkins describes God as being. Now, these are two uh, gentlemen who have taken the time to really uh, create an audience uh, and uh, to draw people away. And people generally look at these um, particular statements through the lens of their own experience, which some may have negative experiences in life in general or may have gone through tremendous suffering, which caused them to really experience pain and uh, therefore Dawkins, Avalos and even this other gentleman Kells and some of the other followers of these men which you know really uh, approach their atheism as a 
you know, as evangelically as many people approach Christianity, um, uh, many people are just duped into believing, you know, yeah, you know, why should I try so hard? Why should I work so hard to do certain things uh, when God is not helping me? He's not doing these things. So it becomes an appeal uh, to uh, the flesh, to uh, uh, certain uh, senses, emotional senses, and, and that's nothing new. I mean, look at the appeal of the devil uh, to uh, Eve, you know, the first temptation that's recorded in the Bible. He appeared to her senses, and then he appeared to uh, what may be a logical gap that God did not uh, basically share everything that he could have or should have shared with her. And he held some information and she needed to do something else to gain additional information, namely eat of the fruit uh, of the tree and uh, that God felt. And this is, you know, what the devil imposed, that God felt that if she did those things um, and he didn't want that to happen, that if she did those things, uh, she would be like him, knowing Uh, good and evil that she would have a better insight and understanding so uh, to discard what God said was to her benefit now notice that same theme is nothing new it's just been repackaged so ever since man uh, has been created and had an opportunity to not only communicate with God but communicate with all parts of God's creation including obviously at a certain time uh, even angelic beings in certain forms, um, the uh, the devil himself or Satan, the accuser, that's what the word Satan means, uh, the accuser has used his accusation to uh, wedge or to create a gap between God and men. But we must ask as a church, you know, are these sentiments true? When we hear words like genocide, Boy, we step back and then somebody shows us a few scriptures, especially, you know, when we're looking at God saying, destroy all the Amalekites, we we stand back. Well, yeah, that is true. Or destroy all of those, kill all of them that are of Jericho. We step back and we look, well, yeah, that, you know, w- what's going on or, or take the land uh, from the Canaanites. And we look, stand back and said, hey, that's that's what's called ethnic cleansing. There is no reason for those type of things since see that's our first mistake we don't understand the reason and we don't understand the resultant actions either and so today's broadcast is about looking at these things or opening up that can of worms i don't expect to be comprehensive because the the topics that i want to at least touch on and generally i want to really kind of give you some food for thought as you go back into your study and you begin to unpack these issues and we want to look at uh, uh, quite a few topics as it pertains to um, uh, to this thought that God is certainly capricious or or inconsistent uh, in you know his actions and that the Bible is full of crime and violence and all kinds of uh, things that are bad or detrimental to society Um, so we want to look at certain topics we want to look at slavery we want to look at the rape of women and the subjugation 
uh, of women as is recorded in the Bible. We want to look at child murder uh, and and all of those uh, type of things. And we want to really kind of unpack and unwind uh, these particular scenarios in no particular order. Uh, but we want to unpack these particular scenarios and kind of um, what I want to say, examine the truth uh, 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 of the instances uh, in which those things are seen. We want to look at the context. So we want to find what, uh, what was called uh, the Sitzum Laban, the actual context in which these particular things were, were spoken and written and really kind of try to uh, unwind those things and see where they fall and where they uh, uh, sit. Now, um, with that said, you know, we want to acknowledge the fact that the Bible has some uh, passages that many find difficult to understand. Uh, you know, beginning with slavery, um, one of the arguments by level by the critics has been why didn't God just wholeheartedly just condemn slavery flat out? And um, I've often said, and we can see evidence that uh, God actually redefined slavery uh, and he redefined slavery so much until slaves had rights, slaves had buyout um, uh, provisions and also slaves had um, provisions of protection that the um, uh, owners of these slaves had to abide by in order to be pleasing to God. And we see those things from Old Testament to New Testament. But one thing I wanted to look at real quick was the beating of slaves uh, in Exodus 21 and 20 and 21. Uh, the beating of slaves to the point of almost death, but not quite to death, um, which is a topic there that uh, many of the critics use in order to say, see, God had a chance to decry slavery and he refused because he wanted it to go on. Um, and, and so there's much we can say, but we're going to pick that up right after this break. We have to have a word from our sponsor. All right. Be right back. Life comes at you fast. Are you ready? We are the professionals of Dunamis Insurance and Business Services. For the best rate life, health, and disability insurance plans, and the most affordable fee structures for estate and business planning needs, we are the company of choice. For a quote or to confidentially discuss your situation, call us at 309-648-5351 or email us at dunamis1 at netzero.com. Also, feel free to check out our website at Dunamis Insurance on Wix.com. And remember, at Dunamis, we offer powerful solutions. Thank you, Dunamis Insurance and Business Services. Don't forget the number you know who you'll be talking to. Listen, uh, so what are we to make of these rules about slavery found in Exodus chapter 21, uh, talking about servants? Now, uh, uh, there's two things in Exodus 21 I want to point out. First one is the slave that's let go with a slave that has fulfilled their slavery duties, but has a family that did not come with a family, but had a family that was given to them. Uh, while they are there, this slave steps up and uh, Exodus opens up with the scenario that a slave is free to go, but he's free to go on his own, you know, with what he came with, which was nothing. But he can go out and establish himself in the world. 
if he uh, turns around and says, though, that he loves his family, he loves uh, serving uh, uh, in that uh, master's house, then he can very well stay and stay with his family. And immediately the critic says, oh, you know, that's an instance where, uh, you know, God is making uh, uh, the man, uh, you know, endorsing slavery by keeping the servant there. And, and, and you know, how can we be pro-family when uh, even God himself would split a family up over being a slave, so forth and so on. Uh, and so they think that that's a, a very strong criticism. However, when you look at this particular uh, verse, it's, it's a little bit different. Or you look at this particular chapter, it's a little bit more detailed and nuanced than what the critic gives it credit. Um, the, Bi- uh, the Bible says in verse 5 of chapter 21 of Exodus, it says that, and if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Uh, now, here's the kicker that the critic claims. He said, and uh, then his master shall bring him into the judge, and he shall also bring him into the door and unto the doorpost. His master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And they would say, see? Uh, That's perpetual servanthood. Uh, And so that servant has to stay uh, there and serve uh, forever. Uh, But they paid little attention uh, to the verses before that. um, And uh, that basically spell out the fact that um, this particular master now has to provide for this man and this family you know what's the outgrowth of this that the master now has to provide for the uh, children he has to provide for the family and now this man that is marked with the master's mark uh, stays basically under the protection of this particular master and serves him along with his family Now, what ruins this for us is our concept of Western slavery, which is chattel slavery, which involves uh, the subjugation uh, of individuals. Now, the critic would say, well, look, later on in the chapter, you know, around verse 20 and 21, you see, you know, if the man smite the servant and and, or his maid uh, with a rod and he died, this is verse 20, under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Uh, notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, if the man uh, that's beaten, the slave that's beaten, lives, he shall be punished. Um, uh, uh, he shall not be punished, for he is his money. Uh, so uh, the um, critic is asserting here that, um, of course, the person is the people, the slaves are looked at as property. So that's offensive to them. And then secondly, that they're beaten within an inch of their lives and nothing happens to the slave master uh, for the beating that he does. And they claim injustice. And I don't want to paint the picture that that's pretty or that looks good to any degree. It does not. It's something that is atrocious and something that we believe is fully uh, atrocious, atrocious in our society today without question and rightfully so. However, we look at the nature of this as well. Uh, under law codes of the day, which the code of Hammurabi was, uh, you know, replete with um, rights of slaves, there was no right 
of a slave. The slave did not have a right to claim his family. The slave didn't have a right to do anything. In fact, under the Code of Hammurabi, which was the uh, a law code that we know that predated the Bible, um, there was no right for a slave to do anything, including look a certain way. If that slave cut his eyes wrong, then that slave could be put to death. In fact, they were told to, to be put to death. Uh, under those codes. So w- what I want to say is uh, involved uh, with the codes of his day or compared to the codes of his day, the uh, code of the Bible was certainly above those other codes. Now, I know that that is a non-satisfactory answer because the critic says, well, if this is God, he should have uh, made a code that was far better and superior and a code that just condemned slavery flat out. And uh, I want to say, I understand that sentiment, uh, the slavery and, and, and the slavery of that particular day was not an ethnic slavery. It was not based on what we know as slavery based on two things, either chattel uh, or ethnic. It wasn't about racism as slavery in the Western uh, hemisphere has come uh, become known for. Uh, and it was different. It was societal. It was the same type of thing where as long as sin exists, slavery would exist to some degree. Now, one thing that we can say is that over the years, those who were committed to slavery actually left slavery because of the Bible, which included this scripture and many others uh, that claim liberation. For those who were bound, who for those who were enslaved, because that was the mission of Jesus. If we look at these particular scriptures and we isolate them, yeah, they look bad being isolated. But when we read these particular scriptures in light of the complete story of God and what God has come to do, here's uh, Isaiah Uh, said that this Messiah would come and set at liberty them that were captive, them that were bound. Those who were enslaved. When we look at the biblical characters who were also enslaved and set free, then we can better understand those abolitionists that came along. Many of them who credit the their belief in slavery to their secularism, not their religion. They credited their belief in slavery to their secular secularism, their ability to not believe God. And uh, they were. Uh, slave slavers under that system but when they met Jesus when they met the Lord they came out of the institution of slavery and began to fight against it with everything that they know in fact we all know that one of the greatest song amazing grace uh, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me uh, was uh, derived or came from the lyrics came from a man who was a slaver who heard slaves in the ships humming that tune amazing grace it was in a different key a different octave and tone than he had ever heard but he took that music that he heard and he said words to it and uh, his life was changed from being a slaver to one who would use the rest of his life to fight against slavery. Uh, and he was a secularist before. And now that he's a Christian, he fights with the Bible under his arm to stamp out slavery. That cannot be denied. So for anybody to say that the Bible endorses the institution of slavery, they're far from it. The Bible is filled with the story of it. 
These words, yes, they are words which are culturally commensurate. They are words in which slavery is, um, uh, what I want to say, redefined and repackaged out of existence. There was no law um, under any other code that exists that we are aware of that existed in that time um, uh, that said uh, if you beat your slave um, and the slave died that you have to stand punishment. No, there was no such thing. You did what you want to with your slave at any time that you wanted to do it under those codes. Um, and there was no uh, right of a slave to say, hey, look, I don't want to go. Or I don't want to do this. I want to just do what I'm doing. There was no right for that. So, uh, you know, get real. Uh, stop being, um, uh, you know, looking at isolated uh, events and trying to interpret the whole Bible based on uh, an isolated passage or passages in which uh, don't provide a full comprehensive understanding that this thing was going toward non-existence period and everything that God did was to break down the institution because when Jesus repeated Isaiah's words that he had come to set the captive free those things were very very real so uh, i wanted to leave that thought with you regarding slavery and that's a that's a big one there's there's a lot of other scriptures that we can point to besides the ones that we took the time to read but every turn every time that we look at that and every time that we look at the story of um, uh, of slavery and every time we look at the story of what uh, the Lord did throughout the word he liberated men from the institution of slavery because slavery was a product and is only a product of sin man's sinfulness and selfish desire so that's one point we wanted to look at uh, in uh, the next broadcast we're going to look at the rape and the subjugation of women uh, and the alleged biblical endorsement of that and also uh, child murder we're going to find out why murder was used implemented and instituted uh, and if we can actually say that it was until next time my friend this is Pastor Harvey Burnett bidding you God speak all things are possible to him